Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find the opinions and the content expressed disturbing and or objectionable. This is uh, Dr. Todd Fredrickson. Uh, I'm sorry if you notice an echo. I'll try to get rid of that in post-production. But um, I felt compelled to put this out as a um, a preview of rotations uh, for the next couple weeks. Uh, about six months ago now, I interviewed uh, Dr. Wendy Dean and uh, one of her colleagues uh, about moral injury and physician burnout and the impact that uh, moral issues have on physicians and how they work and practice. Uh, going on two months ago, I sent an uh, email to people on the military side about anticipating the emotional uh, toll that dealing with COVID-19 would have on physicians. Some of you will well know uh, that listen to rotations that I work as a uh, psychiatric hospitalist uh, as one of my jobs, and uh, I spend a lot of time around mental health professionals, that's licensed clinical social workers, psychologists, counselors, psychiatrists, among the psychiatric nurses and the TPWs and all the people that have chosen in their life to care for people who are mentally or behaviorally um, ill and need help. And so I, I am probably a little sensitive to some of this stuff. Um, and uh, maybe even overthink it a bit, but I don't think I'm going to. So why am I putting this out ahead of time? Well, two weeks ago, uh, the community that I work in and around in the military in the West Virginia National Guard, and again, um, nothing that I say reflects the official or unofficial uh, positions or policies of any agency of the state of Ohio, the state of West Virginia, the Def Department of Defense, or any federal agency. These are my opinions and my opinions alone. That includes the Ohio University and any of its uh, subordinate agencies. So by telling you that, um, hopefully I don't say anything untoward, but I want to make sure that people understand clearly this is me. Um, we lost a good friend uh, to suicide uh, two weeks ago, an individual that many of us were very close to uh, at various levels. Uh, many of us had known for many years, myself in excess of 10, uh, an individual that we had regular contact with, and an individual that gave us no indicators that we could read that they were that desperate or, or hurting that badly. And so the end result of that episode was uh, a young man who felt that the only solution in life was to take their own life. And that individual was very methodical about trying to make sure that the impact of their decision-making wouldn't cause a great deal of problems for people around them. But the problem is, is that every suicide causes a lot of damage and a lot of wreckage. There are some suicides that are deliberate. They are intentionally designed by the people who commit them to be graphic in nature, to be wounding, uh, to be weaponized, uh, to leave people 
in tremendous turmoil after that individual takes their life. That was not the case with our friend. Our friend was um, very deliberate in trying to make sure that he lessened the impact on the people he left. But um, unfortunately, in whatever way he was thinking, he was not thinking rationally enough to understand there's no possible way that if you are surrounded by friends that you can leave a lack of tremendous damage if you take your own life, especially if you're surrounded by friends who would cross continents to get to you if you had a problem. The bottom line is, is if you don't tell people you have a problem, then they don't have any chance to help you. And that was the case with myself included. And I won't go into further details about that. But it, it, it bears saying because at the time I'm recording this as well, the nation is experiencing uh, tremendous turmoil over the death of an individual of in Minnesota, uh, a man who was by initial appearance the victim of a wrongful death at the hands of police officers. People have asked me about this. I've had students want uh, query me about this and the response, and I explained to them, I am at my core an individual who has sworn an oath to the United States Constitution and to the state constitution of the state of West Virginia to protect and defend them. And I believe strongly in the rule of law. I have many friends that are attorneys. I work with attorneys as a consultant on things, and I do believe in legal process. I don't believe the law is infallible, and I don't believe it doesn't have room for improvement, in some cases dramatically. That's why we have a Supreme Court. So I don't have an opinion about what happened in Minnesota because I don't know the facts. I'm not an investigator. It's, it's thousands of miles away from me, and I believe strongly in the rights of the accused. I believe strongly in protecting people who are falsely accused. I also believe in delivering justice for people who have been the victims of terrible things. And so my hope is, is that the people who really are expert at this stuff, the investigators, the um, prosecuting attorneys, district attorneys, the defense attorneys, are being very, very deliberate about gathering evidence and statements so that they can bring case to trial that is nowhere near my any jurisdiction I'm in, and not only that, but that I have no ability to affect. I literally don't, other than writing a letter. And I don't even know what to put in the letter yet because I don't know what the facts of the case are. We will all know that, but it takes a long time. And if a person is deliberate about decision-making, which I am, when it comes to medical malpractice cases, when it comes to investigations of wrongdoing among doctors, I am very deliberate because I really believe that there's always multiple sides to every story and that what things appear to be on the surface aren't always what they are on the surface. I've seen that countless times as a physician. I've, I've made my own misdiagnoses based upon things I really thought were going on that only later I found out I was being fooled. And so um, I'm not going to talk about that. I don't have a dog in the fight. It's not something I can influence. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a prosecutor. I'm not an investigator. And I certainly don't live in Minnesota. So I have nothing to say there. But I do have some things to say about life pressures and stresses. How it affects young people. How it affects old people. How it affects practitioners. And so I think if you take that in context, and when you listen to Wendy Dean... Uh, and when, when we talk about that, when, you, when we listen to that, I want you to understand that it's not indifference to so many things that are going on in the country. It's because I think it's complementary 
for doctors who are conscientious to be aware of. The acting out that we're seeing, just the bottom line is it is multifactorial. Some of it is tremendous grief by people. Some of it is compounded by months of being socially isolated and 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 I developed a whole new appreciation for extroverts. I might get into that a little bit in the intro of, of Wendy Dean. Uh, well, I'll just say it now. Uh, my sister is an extrovert. She has a very good paying job where she lives, um, but she found herself getting a job with a major retailer just so she could have the opportunity to deal with people because she was working from home. So she has a very lucrative job. And when she interviewed for this job at a retailer, they said, well, you're highly overqualified for what you're applying for. She says, I don't care. I'll work really hard. I just want to be around people. As a natural introvert, I don't understand that. But when my sister, my own sister, who I'm very close to, told me that story, it made me realize just what the behavioral health impact is on people who are not normally used to socially isolating. And just so you know, as an, introverts are not socially isolating. They just find it very difficult uh, to deal with large groups of people in small talk because it's emotionally draining. All introverts have very close friendships, but they're friendships that are pretty deep. They want to talk about big things. They typically don't talk about the sort of party chit chat and banter that goes on because it's an uncomfortable place to be. That's why, I mean, one of the most uncomfortable places for me to be is in a party because I don't know what to say to people. I really don't. I have too many questions. I want to get too deep and they find that to be draining. I find it to be invigorating. An extrovert finds it to be draining because they just want to flit around and, and see the energy and the vibe and, and deal with dynamic things, right? And so when you look at the things in context around the country, I go back to what I was saying. Don't take indifference about me not diving into something about something that happened in Minnesota uh, or a healthcare response to that because I frankly can't see one. Um, unless... A physician wants to go to law school, uh, become an expert in constitutional law, uh, and then argue cases before state and federal Supreme Courts about uh, the way laws are leveled or immunity is leveled. Um, everything I see is some symbolism. Uh, I have been deeply concerned about the city of Chicago and the loss of life over the last decade. Hundreds, uh, thousands of people now who've lost their lives, people who are of as the common parlance would say, I wouldn't use it because I don't like hyphenating Americans. I would say darker brown Americans. Thousands of, of young people uh, have been lost in the city of Chicago in the last 10 years, and it doesn't seem to garner the same response as that coming out of this incident in Minnesota. And in fact, if I look at the numbers and I see the numbers of people uh, who are uh, killed by law enforcement compared to the number of people who are losing their lives in the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago is far and away above, in terms of total numbers, uh, the loss of life, senseless loss of life. Um, and yet, I don't see the response. And that I, I, I just don't understand that. And um, maybe I don't fully understand the situation, maybe. Uh, but I'm a pretty, um, uh, you know, common sense guy. And so if I don't understand a situation, I typically try to stay out of it and let people who are, have greater expertise than me uh, handle those, those problems. It's to say that if I don't deal with it, it's because I don't feel equipped to deal with it. 
We have lots of people who work in inclusion and diversity offices, attorneys who deal with institutional equity, who are really skilled at understanding the law and understanding what is an offense, what isn't an offense. It's just not me. But what I can do in the context of all this is I can say, you know what, let's talk to some people who understand what trauma can do to folks and why it's important to talk about it and why it's important for medical leaders to be aware of trauma and how to and moral injury and how to mitigate it and how to hopefully keep people healthy when they're already dealing with sizable um, sizable uh, stressors within their life because of things like pandemic disease or maybe um, uh, v- relative, relatively uh, high levels of activity in social demonstration. I'm trying to be very careful about my words because I don't want to create uh, offense where none is intended. Because again, I'm trying to remain um, indifferent uh, or agnostic about any of this stuff because I don't have all the facts and I'm a person that has to deal with facts. I just do. I have to see the evidence before me and I have to then methodically go through it and determine what does the clear picture look like. Um, And you guys all count on that. You count on doctors to do that hopefully well. That's one of the reasons why I don't like seeing 40 patients a day because I don't feel I can give adequate attention to what they need. It's why my practice has necessarily shifted towards analytic medicine, medical malpractice, uh, special issuance waivers for people with complex medical conditions that need special licensing for whatever they're doing, mostly in the airlines. Um, things that require that because that's the type of focus I have on these issues. So, uh, not to bore you and sorry for the echo and reverb again, my, my office is very live because I don't have anything on the walls, but I will eventually, hopefully you'll, uh, then go into the, uh, episodes we have coming forward and, uh, you'll get something out of them and maybe be able to apply them to your colleagues. And with that, I bid you a very good Sunday. I'm going to rapidly edit this, post it, and then I'm going to go after uh, Dr. Dean's um, interview and um, and get that up. It'll come a couple days after probably I post this. This is Sunday, so I'll probably post this uh, tomorrow if I can't get it to upload through my internet tonight. Uh, I would also want to say this. To those of you who are familiar with the suicide um, case that we all dealt with a couple weeks ago, I want to thank you very much. People have reached out to me for very specific reasons. Through no desire of my own, I was implicated in the middle of this thing. I have to believe with all my heart that it was because the individual who killed themselves trusted me to handle issues that they didn't feel that other people could and they wanted to protect their friends. And so they... That individual turned to me to to do a variety of things in the aftermath of their death. And the people that are aware of that have been extraordinarily compassionate to me. Um, And I'm so grateful for that. It reaffirms the fact that I have great friends and I have people that think about me when I'm not even aware of that. And it's an amazing blessing. And so to that, I would encourage you um, to reach out to people. If you have a friend that you haven't thought of in a long time, but you really care about them and it's just life that gets in the way, take the time and call them or email them or message them or whatever you do and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. You're important to me. You you mean something to me. I'm a relatively old man. I've seen a lot of bad stuff in this world. I am fully aware of what um, the depravity of humanity is capable of doing to other human beings. 
And so I probably need less attention that, than people who are naive to much of that. But it is deeply appreciated. It's deeply appreciated by an old man who knows that there are people across generations who think about him regularly and who want the best for him. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And with, I also, with that, I wish you all adieu. And I wish that you will um, continue to listen to rotations. I, I'm going to shamelessly ask that you, that you push this stuff around. Um, normally I don't do that. I don't do a lot of self-promotion, but I do want you to spread it when you see it on Facebook. And I do want you to, um, spread it out if you get it on SoundCloud or iTunes. And if you listen to a few minutes with Todd, which is my video stuff that I put out on, I put it on Facebook, but it's actually on YouTube. Um, please, please forward that if you find uh, good, good value in it, let people listen to it. Um, if I can be anything in this world, I want to be a voice of hope and a voice of reason and a voice of um, reassurance to people. Because there are a bunch of them out there right now who just are really confused and upset and don't know how to tackle a complicated world. Okay, I'm gonna find some uplifting music to attach on either end of this so this isn't a complete bummer and downer. And then uh, the next thing you should listen to on rotations will be a really wonderful interview on a very serious topic, and I think you'll like it. Take care, all of you. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medicine and science as part of the media and medicine family of medical storytelling. The opinions and comments expressed on Rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of the Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communications. Guests on Rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. This episode of Rotations was produced by Todd Fredericks and edited by Todd Fredericks. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and a few people we sometimes pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve the right to all content. You may use Rotations content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators. You must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by tweeting us at Medical Cinema for Todd, at Prof Plow for Brian, Nisarg Bakshi for Nisarg Bakshi and at Rotations PCAST or by visiting mediaandmedicine.com slash rotations. Check us out on Facebook at Media and Medicine. And finally, from me, Todd Fredericks, you can also send me a message through my Facebook page at TR Fredericks. But please, I have a sensitive feelings, so embrace your inner non-hater. 